Greetings, Embers, and welcome to Back to Ashes. My name is Phoenix. Before I get started, I would like to thank the reformed members of the channel. CAG, Interscare Wifey, Denise S., Through Scrutiny, Samantha Play, Stephanie McLaren, Corpse Lover, Norman D.W., Chrissy Elias, Cindy Cleveland, and Patty's Niece. If you would like to learn how to become a member of the channel or would like to buy me a coffee as a special thank you, that link can be found down below. If you are new to the channel or haven't done so already, please don't forget to subscribe, like, share, and comment. Not only does it help the channel, but it reminds you of every time I drop a video. With all of that being said, it is time to go back to ashes. For once we arise from the ashes, we are a bigger, brighter, stronger, and a happier person in the morning. Sit back, relax, kick back, grab a snack, or tuck in and get warm, and prepare for this dose of vocal melatonin entitled True Paranormal Encounters. Right after this intro and ad will play, I'll read the first story and ad will play, and after that there will be no more ads within this video. We have a theater in our town that was built in the 1930s, and as in tradition, there are plenty of stories of people noticing weird cold spots, things in the garden room moved, or the occasional whispers in someone's ear, you know, things like that. However, there have been no reported sightings for years, until my daughter started spending more time there with me. She's sensitive to these things despite the fact she doesn't like it very much. Her first sighting was one night when there were only three of us there, all up in the bio box. She just got up and went out of the auditorium. A few minutes later, she comes back and casually says, I saw the ghost down in the green room. I asked if that's why she left the room and she said yes, that she saw something white go past the auditorium door and got a feeling, so she went to have a look. She said she saw a lady in a long, old-fashioned white dress in the women's dressing room, standing in front of the mirror like she was putting on makeup. She didn't reflect in the mirror. I asked that specifically. A couple of weeks ago, we were there to see a show, and when the house lights went down, there was a voiceover and sound effect in the darkness, so they were down for 30 seconds or so. She whispered to me, Is someone on the stage? Oh, never mind. Look, look it's her. She said she saw her standing downstage, center right at the front of the stage and she faded away when the stage lights came up. I have asked around since and a couple of people have said they've seen her as well, but only once each. I myself have spent many a night alone in that place, programming lights and never see a thing, although sometimes I feel like I'm not alone. I never really get creeped out there either, so I guess that's a good thing. If you are around Boise, Idaho, you can find anyone from the Boise Little Theater who has been around for a while to confirm the story. This must have happened about 20 years ago, but during rehearsals for chess, I believe, the cast was taking a break and eating some pizza in the auditorium seating area. Everyone in the building was in the first few rows of seats eating and talking, except for a little girl who was about four wandering around on the stage. The little girl fell through a trap door in the stage that hadn't been closed. From the stage, it's a 14 or 15 foot drop to the concrete below. Of course, everyone immediately bolts backstage, some going stage right, some going stage left. At a full run, it only takes about 15 to 20 seconds at most to get backstage to the stairs. When they went down the stairs, they found the little girl completely unharmed, staring up at the trap door. 
When asked what happened, all the little girl would say was, the nice man caught me. Everyone did a search of the building, but the back door was locked from the inside. There was no one under the stage where they kept old costumes or dressing room, and there was no way to get out through the front of the theater because everyone was coming from those directions. Other things that happened in the theaters are less dramatic. During the production of A Few Good Men, about half a dozen much-needed costumes appeared from nowhere without no explanation ever. Lights turned themselves on and off. Normal ghost stuff, you know. The original Boise Little Theater burned down and two people didn't make it out of the fire. So, some cast members believed that the ghosts somehow followed the troop to the new location. Honestly, I really don't know, but I do know that a nice man, who was never seen by anyone, saved a little girl from a fall that very well could have killed her. Here's a bit of context. These occurred in 2016, and I was a hardcore atheist at the time. Here were my three experiences. Experience number one. I was raised Baptist and was never allowed to have a Ouija board growing up. So after becoming atheist, I decided to buy one just for the fun of it, still believing that any movement would be a result of the idiomotor effect. I played around with it, not much happened. So I just put it back in the box and shoved the box under my and my boyfriend's bed. Two or three nights later, I woke up to what sounded like a violent scratching or clawing noise and what felt like the bed shaking. And you know when you wake up because you think you've heard something, you'll hold your breath so you can hear better in the silence? Well, that's exactly what I did. I held my breath, terrified. And it was strange because it was almost waiting for me to let my guard down. Because just as soon as I exhaled and thought, whew, it was just a dream, the scratching and clawing picked up again. It was so forceful it was shaking the freaking bed with each scratch. So I obviously freaked the hell out and wake up my boyfriend, who was asleep next to me, while the scratching paused yet again. As soon as I shook him awake, he could tell I was terrified just by the look on my face. He started to ask what's wrong, and I just shushed him and whispered, Listen, just tell me if you hear it too. And we're both sitting there in silence. And once again, it was as if it was waiting for our guard to lower because just as soon as my boyfriend said, Hear what? I don't hit. The scratching suddenly picked up, ten times harder, faster, and louder than it had before. My boyfriend was braver than I was. He immediately hopped out of bed and turned on the light while yelling, What the hell was that? and as soon as the light was on, it stopped. I immediately looked for a rational cause. I didn't have any animals at the time. No kids, no TV, or radio on. We lived in a brick house, so nothing could get into the walls. By ourselves, in the suburbs, so no weird wild animals or anything. There was really no explanation. My boyfriend looked under the bed. He looked all around the house. He even looked around the outside of the house, just trying to find some explanation, but there was nothing. So my boyfriend and I eventually get back into bed. We snuggled up close, and then he reached over to turn the light off. We laid there listening for any hint of movement. And of course, as soon as my boyfriend relaxes and says, I think it's gone now, 
The scratching and clawing started picking up even more violently than before. At that point, we turned every light on in the house and went and slept in the living room. Experience number two. This occurred about a month after the first experience. My boyfriend was such a heavy smoker, he could literally wake up every few hours throughout the night to go outside on the back patio and smoke a cigarette. I'm such a light sleeper, I would often wake up when he went out to smoke, and then wake up again when he came in from smoking and crawled back into bed. It was probably around 2 a.m. or so, and I heard my boyfriend get up out of the bed. So I'm trying to fall back asleep, and I hear him put his shoes on. I hear him open and close the bedroom door. I hear his footsteps walking down the hallway. I hear him open and shut the hallway door. I hear him open and shut the back door. I hear the back screen door open and shut too. All totally normal. I don't know how much time passed. Probably not that long because I never fell back asleep all the way. But maybe 30 minutes later, I heard the screen door open and shut again, along with the back door. I heard the door at the end of the hallway open and shut. I heard his footsteps walking down the hallway toward the bedroom, a bit heavier this time as if he was stomping for some reason. Then I hear our bedroom door open and shut. Normally, at this point, I would be hearing my boyfriend crawl into his side of the bed as he slept right next to the door while I slept on the other side by the wall with my back to the door. But instead, I hear him, still stomping, walk around the bed and walk up to my side, all the way up to the desk and stop right there, standing right in front of my face. My eyes were still shut and I was still laying there on my side, facing where he was standing, but still trying to fall back asleep. I figured maybe he was putting his phone on the charger as the outlet is by my pillow, but I don't hear him messing with any phone charger. I don't hear anything. I suddenly felt like there was somebody just staring at me, watching me. That's when the terrifying thought crossed my mind. Why is he just standing there in front of my face, doing nothing except watching me sleep? And I got this sinking feeling in my stomach. Then I hear a voice whisper my name and telling me to wake up. It almost sounded like my boyfriend, but the voice was deep and raspy and almost distorted. I opened my eyes, and despite hearing him walk in and open and close doors and walk around to my side of the bed and stand there, there's no one effing there. But it gets creepier. I freak out, jumping out of bed and running down the hall to find my boyfriend. And once I turn a corner to go running through the living room area, where the exit to the back patio is, I literally run into, like actually physically collide with, my boyfriend. Turns out he was in the process of running inside to find me, while I was in the process of running outside to find him. Before I can even gather my thoughts to turn them into words, he goes, Where were you? Are you okay? Did you hear it? I don't know what just happened. I came out to smoke and I guess I must have fallen asleep in the hammock or something. Because the next thing I know, I heard the patio door and screen door open and shut. And it half woke me up so I was still half asleep. But I heard you walk up and I felt you sit down on the hammock with me and put your hand on my leg. Then I heard you say my name and then you yelled at me to wake up and it sounded like you but I knew it wasn't your voice. That's when I opened my eyes. 
there was no one there. And I looked around and I didn't see you, so I panicked. So, long story short, we both had the same unique experience at the same time in different areas of the house. Both of us thinking at first it was the other person. Only for us to realize, also at the exact same time, no one was there at all. Which begs the question, who did both of us hear walking through the halls, patio, and bedroom if it wasn't either of us? Experience 3 Alright, heads up. This is by far my favorite, and in my opinion the most convincing, experience. It's more akin to a miracle. It occurred probably five months after experience number two. Since I had experience, I had actually made a lot of progress on the Ouija board. And you could say I befriended the spirit in the house. Griot. It's a long story, but basically I told it out loud. If you want to stay in this house, make all the noise you want in the daytime. But not at night because it scares the shit out of me. Take it or leave it. And it worked. I worked hard to communicate over time and build a rapport of sorts with it. But those are stories for another day. The point is that this spirit was no longer terrifying us and became more of a welcomed, although prankster presence. But keep in mind, in my head, I still partially believed I was just going insane and that all of this was real. Imagination, mental illness, idiomotor effect, ghastly, brain tumor, something rational. The atheism was strong in me. Around this time, my boyfriend, who had been in long-term recovery from heroin addiction, ended up relapsing. I knew it as I was in long-term recovery myself and knew all the signs, but he wouldn't admit it. I knew the only way he would admit it and go back to rehab is if I found evidence and confronted him with it. When he left for work one night, I knew it was my chance to find evidence. He would never take syringes to work with him, so I knew they had to be in the house somewhere. I searched for several hours and I was frantic, but after finding nothing, I was in tears, sobbing, desperate. So I had an idea. In absolute desperation, still in tears, energy still very high, good for spirits by the way, I pulled out the Ouija board. I thought, this is my last shot. Here goes nothing. While also at the same time kind of viewing it as a test to see if my paranormal experiences were legit or if I was somehow making them up in my own head. Once I contacted that prankster spirit, I asked if he had seen or would know the location of something my boyfriend had hid recently somewhere in the house, like perhaps a baggie or syringes. When the planchette again went to yes, I just broke down and said straight up, please, I need help. I need to know where he hid those items so I can save his life. I swear to God, if you help me find those items, I will never ask you to find anything for me or do another favor for me ever again. Please, where should I look? And I'll admit, I felt like a crazy person, but to my surprise, it started to spell out a list of words. It spelled out, basket, basement, trouser, laundry, fleece, sock, pocket. Then the energy died out. Again, that atheistic doubt in the back of my mind, thinking of the idiomotor effect, thought, that's a strange list for my subconscious to spell out. I don't even use the word trouser and we don't own anything, please. To skip the boring part, I searched for 90 minutes straight and was about to give up. 
But then, while in the laundry room of my basement, I saw a basket underneath the rocking chair that I hadn't noticed before. It was a box of pants, or you might say trousers, all belonging to my boyfriend. I dug through and got to the last pair of trousers in that basket under the chair in the laundry room of the basement. It was a pair of jeans, and I shit you not, in the pocket I pulled out a fleece mother effing sock that I had never seen before, and wrapped up inside that sock I found two syringes and several empty gel capsules, what dope comes in around here. Once I saw that, a shiver went down my spine because I realized everything was actually real. The truth of spirits and the afterlife had hit me in the face like a bunch of bricks. I wasn't just crazy after all. There was my proof that spirits were real because I never could have known that. Not a single word was incorrect from that Ouija board. Like I suddenly got the most terrified feeling ever just knowing that the spirit I talked to was real and was now certainly watching me make this discovery, watching me standing there frozen in fear and awe and realization as I looked around the basement. I thanked it. And yes, that discovery did propel my boyfriend and eventually fiancé into treatment. But unfortunately, in late 2017, my fiancé relapsed one more time and passed away. But thanks to that spirit, I got to spend a couple more sober years with him. Otherwise, I could have lost him before then. So anyways, those are my biggest and most life-changing experiences with the paranormal. I know what I experienced and won't waste a single second trying to convince anyone who doesn't believe me. All I know is it was enough to convince me. If any of you or your loved ones are addicts, please don't push them, but seek help. Maybe you too could spend a few more years with yours. I was finishing packing up the downstairs rooms. A little backstory. My mother-in-law could no longer live by herself. She came to live with us in February. Since then, I have been going to her house to clear it out and pack stuff up. First, she's a hoarder. We have previously cleaned her house no less than four times. Her house is huge. We can fit four and a half of our houses in hers. It needs major repairs and remodeling. Then we are all moving in. So it's been stressful. I'm the one usually taking care of her house. However, in the garage, it's under the house. There's a little room and it gives me the biggest creeps. My last post from there is that it picked up a cord and dangled it in front of me. Sort of like, hey, I'm here. You know it, and I know you know it. In the upstairs, we hear bangs and knocks, and you can feel someone watching you. This time, I was finishing the last two rooms in the basement. They're furnished rooms, and there's three of them. I finished putting things in boxes to donate and bagging garbage. These rooms led to the garage. I'd gone to put the donate boxes in the garage and got the biggest chill up the back of my neck. Now, I've been in and out of there most of the day, and nothing like this has happened. So I nope the F out of the garage and close and lock the door. As I get to the game room, I hear the doorbell, which doesn't work. I ignore it because I want to get done. 
Finally, I go to the room closest to the front door and look up to see who is there. There is no one except Donna, the cat, looking down on me. It's a stray, because the windows are high up, I can see the door, and the doorbell still is ringing. I walk to the last room that leads upstairs, and I'm standing next to the doorway deciding my next move. All of a sudden, a white figure walks past me in the game room. It was a male. Just everything, a filmy white. It scared the shit out of me. It took me by surprise. It didn't feel evil, it just strolled on past. I don't think it was the garage thing. It had a different feel. I did not leave. I wonder what other spirit will show itself now. I did finish my work and left the boxes and bags for hubby to deal with. So, this happened about two years or so ago but it still sends chills down my spine whenever I think about it. There's a local factory that was made in 1890 and opened in 1891 as a sewing factory where people handcraft detachable collars and cuffs. In 1999, it was repurposed as a bunch of little consignment shops throughout the whole building in each room. Today, there's still the original huge elevator shafts with rickety gated doors. Anyways, one night, me and my friend decided to go and check out one of the bookshops that had just opened up there. We headed downstairs, went and left to the store, and eventually took a break on one of the benches before leaving. To our knowledge, nobody else was in the building, or at least in the basement with us. So we're sitting there, and the way the bench is positioned is flat up against a wall where you can see all the way up the hallway, with a flight of stairs to our right and one of the shops to our left. While we were sitting there talking, I started feeling this, like, uncomfortable feeling and tried telling my friend I wanted to leave and to hurry up because I just didn't like this feeling. He told me to calm down and that we'd leave in a minute. The uncomfortable feeling went away. As we were about to get up and go, we saw someone come around the corner and start approaching us. We figured it was one of the maintenance workers, but... The feeling of uncomfortableness came over me again, yet worse this time. Now, the way he turned the corner was completely unnatural. He walked to the end of the hallway, stared at the wall in front of him for a solid five seconds, and then turned towards us and took a brief pause before coming our way. The way he turned the corner, though, it seemed like he just knew we were there and was completely unfazed when he saw us. I would say that's plausible, but we were being fairly quiet and the hallway was a solid 30 to 40 feet long, so we'd have to be talking decently loud for him to hear us. I went into panic mode, but my friend kept their cool. The place was still open. We weren't breaking any rules, just sitting on this bench. My friend calmly looked at him and just said, Hi, how you doing? And the man didn't say anything. He just kept walking towards us at a somewhat rapid pace. I remember looking him in the eyes. He had zero expression. Not anger. Not happiness. Not confusion. Not nothing. It was severely unsettling. Even after my friend said something to him, completely unfazed, he was just on a mission to get to us. 
You'd assume if this was a maintenance worker, he'd either tell us it's time to leave or say hi back or something. Anything. But no. Just this blank, expressionless face making his way towards us. After he didn't respond to my friend and stared getting close to us, we just gave each other this we need to go look and sprinted out of there. When we got out of the building and down the road, the uncomfortable feeling left me and I started calming down. We didn't really talk about what just happened. We just went on our way back to my house. Ever since that night, I haven't been back to the factory or any of the shops there. Something about that man wasn't right and it sent chills down my spine seeing him. And it sends chills down my spine just typing this. I'm a firm believer of the paranormal and I can just about guarantee that whatever that was definitely wasn't human. These all happened at the same house, which was an old farmhouse that was also a part of the Underground Railroad. We no longer live there. The house isn't there anymore. It's now a very expensive neighborhood. One, my parents said they were sitting on our couch and watching TV. The fireplace shut her open and closed several times on their own. Two, my mom was sitting in the same living room. Towards her front was a large wooden deck that had a fireplace in the center and two large windows on either side. To the right was a concrete porch that ran the length of that side of the house. It had a door off to the side and had several large windows on it as well. To her back was a bedroom that us kids shared in the winter because it was easier to heat half the house. To her left was the blue room. The whole thing was blue, but it was just a central room where our computer happened to be and had access to the basement. Anyways, on the wooden deck, my mom saw a black figure that was as tall as a bear but too thin to be human. She said that she looked at it and had a feeling that it was watching her. It wasn't completely dark outside, but it was on its way. The figure then started doing laps around the house. It would pass the windows in front of her every few seconds. This was a 2,500-ish square foot farmhouse. It was incredibly fast. 3. We had a small family farm. Chickens, goats, pigs, quail, turkey, ducks, etc. Nothing big. We had about 30 chickens at the time. Living that far out in the country, we always set up traps by the coop to catch possums and raccoons, anything that ate chickens. Well, we go outside one day to see piles of feathers throughout the yard around the coop. Every single pile had a head on top of it. 30-ish piles and that many heads. No puddles of blood. No insides anywhere, just piles of feathers and heads. Four. Shortly after this, my dad, sometimes myself as well, would go out at night with a shotgun to see if we would find anything. We had gotten more chickens and had nothing unusual in the traps, just cages. My dad was a manly man, wasn't scared of anything. I've seen him move a tree by himself out of the road that four grown men weren't able to get together. He's tough, to say the least, so he goes out like he usually does. Our chicken coop sits about 50-ish feet in front of our garage. It was really just a 1,000-square-foot ranch outbuilding. We just called it the garage. So we hear five blasts or so from the shotgun, and very shortly after, my dad comes through the front door with tears running down his face. 
he is visibly shaken. After he calms down a bit, he explains that while in front of the garage, he heard a real guttural growl coming from the tree line right behind and above the garage. He said it wasn't like anything he had ever heard in his life. He was an avid hunter growing up. He's heard and probably eaten just about any animal that Indiana has to offer. He said it was low and demonic. He said he could just feel that it was evil. He immediately unloaded the shotgun and ran to the house. 5. I don't like to talk about this one much, but it's relevant. I would hear voices in that house. One night, I woke up my parents crying to let them know that the devil wanted my soul and wouldn't stop trying to get me to give it to him. I don't remember much about it because this was about 5th grade. I'm 31 now. I've since been diagnosed with general anxiety disorder. I could see where it might have just been my anxiety, but I definitely remember sitting on the living room floor, sobbing at like 3 a.m., just begging for the voices to stop. I haven't had anything else at all similar to this ever happen. 6. My parents found a tunnel in our basement that we assumed was a part of the Underground Railroad. My cousin was over at the time and asked if we could explore it. It was covered up about shoulder high to an adult, and an adult could crawl through with not a whole lot of extra room. He had a flashlight and was gone for about half an hour. We were starting to get very worried when we could see the light again. He came back and said that there had not been an end in sight, but he was getting nervous having crawled so far. He was probably 16, I think. 7. We always had dogs, and we would find our dogs in front of our house just dead. No wounds, prior symptoms, just dead. Sometimes three at a time. 8. My dad, on the way home from work, saw a pile of dead dogs in a field by our house, probably about five feet tall, a ton of freaking dogs. 9. My two brothers and I were in the house, and things started to fall off the walls. We ran outside into the field in front of our house and looked across the street to the other cornfield. There were hundreds of deer just running. It filled the field for several minutes, enough disruption caused by them running to make it look like a small earthquake. 10. We found out, after we moved, that there was a practicing coven that met not far from our house. We heard that a lot of dead animal remains have been found. 11. A decent amount of years later, I went with my sister to Chicago. Her fiancé had graduated boot camp and was going to a school. I'm not a military guy, so I'm sorry if I word any of this incorrectly. I'm just ignorant to it all. They do a ceremony thing for family with their group flags and such. They hang out for a bit and leave for a school. On the way home, I was asleep in the car and my sister had gotten lost. I shot up out of sleeping and told my sister to pull over the car. She did and I told her to turn. She asked what's wrong and I said that I woke up because we were by our old house. I could feel it. She made a turn and we passed the front gates of a cemetery that was right by the house. Had she kept up in that direction, we would have passed right by it. 12. What was at the start of all of this was a dream that my sister had. I think we had some dogs die before this point, but we didn't find out about the coven until several years after we moved. I didn't find out about the dream until I was probably in high school. Anyways, 
Surrounding the end of the property, there was a tree line that separated where the coven met and our house. My sister said that, in her dream, there were monsters tearing down the tree line, and she knew if they tore it down that they were coming for me. Like me, not my sister, or any of the other five people in my family. Ha ha, me specifically. Well, not long after, in preparation for turning the property into a subdivision, they tore down that tree line. All of this stuff happened. My parents decided one day that we were moving. We rented, by the way. We had a house purchased, on contract, and were completely moved out in two weeks' time. Thirteen. I remember this one late and am fully aware that this is the hardest story to believe. In my opinion, at least. This is definitely the event that's the foggiest in my memory because I didn't really get it at the time. So, I was in Boy Scouts and it was the time of year for popcorn. I sold enough popcorn to be one of the top in the state. That's what my parents told me at least. I just knocked on the doors and pushed the popcorn. Ha ha. Anyways, my parents had just loaded up the van with all of the popcorn we were going to deliver the following morning. It was an old brown and tan Astro van, the ones with a weird curtain in the windows. This thing was completely stuffed with popcorn. We all go to sleep and I remember being outside with my family looking at our van on fire. Fire department came and everything. The thing burnt completely. Well, my dad had a Polaroid camera and took a picture. My dad takes the picture with him to show people because it's a crazy story. My dad is showing a guy the picture and the dude asks if he sees the face. My dad looks at the picture and sees the face. To kind of summarize this, because I don't want to make up details that I don't remember, things started to appear in the picture, like in the flames. It started with a face, then turned into a demonic-looking Grim Reaper figure, a scythe and all. Then people started to notice more things as my dad showed it to more people. My dad would hand the picture and say, What do you see? Every one saw it. Then people noticed that the Reaper figure was holding a chain that was attached to a torn-apart dog. And finally a burning cross behind it all. As soon as people started seeing that, my dad stuffed the picture in a Bible. It was one of those Bibles with a built-in zipper. He didn't tell any of us about him stuffing it in a Bible until after we moved. He pulls out the Bible while we were moving, and the picture is gone. If I remember right, he was freaked the hell out. I remember my dad always handing the picture to people and them being all creeped out. I remember seeing the fire. I saw the picture once right after it had been taken and I remember playing on the burnt up van because it was the late 90s and we were kids. The rest of it was what my parents have talked about. My dad was a server at the same restaurant for about 25 years so he showed it to a ton of people. This wasn't just a few buddies. He literally started handing it to his customers. Everyone saw it and everyone started to see more things as he showed more people. I know this is a very long story. This is everything that I can remember at the moment. I tried to be very detailed because I am 100% aware of how unbelievable all of this is. The address of the house was 18401 State Road 238, 
Fortville, Indiana. I don't remember the zip code. The house is no longer there, and it is now a subdivision to houses that are $750,000 plus. They didn't end up tearing it down until we had been out for about four to five years. That's just a guess, but it kept getting delayed for some reason. I had this experience while working in 2013. I'm a photographer and videographer and had landed a gig shooting behind the scenes photos of an upcoming theater production. The photos would be used as promotional materials for the premiere, which was coming up in about a week. So I basically had to shoot the rehearsal, just the director, actors, and myself on the largest stage in town. It was very cool to see all of the seats empty the director puffing away cigarettes and spraying loudly in a place that you usually see the patrons dressed up and having a cultural experience. The play was all set in a beachside house that was built into the middle of the stage. There were several moments in the play in which all of the lights in the beach house were turned off, plunging everything into darkness, only leaving the emergency exit signs alight, pulling you out of the theater experience and reminding you that it's all a play after all. So, every time this happened, I put my camera down and listened to the dialogue in the darkness. The third time this happened, the flick of the lights, the darkness, I again put my camera down and patiently started to wait for my next shot opportunity. As I stood there, I started seeing something grayish being illuminated by the emergency exit sign. All of the actors and the director were to the right of me. There wasn't supposed to be anyone to my left. But I decided to turn and say hi to whoever was with me so we could exchange silent greetings as to not disturb the performance of the actors. So I turned. What I saw has never left my mind to this day and has made me rethink my skeptic outlook towards such things. There stood a young girl wearing a dress. Her hands were outstretched towards me, but not in a way that you think she would grab me, but in a way as if begging for something her palms facing up and her little fingers barely curled. Her face was full of tiredness, grief, maybe despair. Her legs were just not there, and she was very slowly moving towards me, possibly floating. I don't know, it was a very smooth and gentle movement, so you could imagine with the level of detail I recall her, I must have had eye contact with her for maybe at least two to three full seconds, which to me felt like an eternity. After the third second was when I finally managed to unfreeze myself and react. What I saw was so vivid and so there that I instinctively turned my head away and swiped with my hand in her direction as if to protect myself from the imminent collision between us. Not letting out a peep as to not embarrass myself in front of the theater people. I lit up the monitor of my camera with shaking hands and pointed it in the direction of the girl. She was gone. I continued my work with my eyes darting everywhere and wondering what the hell just happened to me. I really wanted to speak to the theater staff about my experience, but I never did in fear of being ridiculed and potentially losing future gigs. I never made sense of this. Maybe you can help me out. Thank you for listening to my story.
This is my paranormal encounter. This happened to me in 2001. I was an intern for a theater in Glendale that used to be a mason temple. It was seven stories with a lower level that used to be a restaurant nightclub in the 1930s. It had gutted restaurant seats. The second floor used to be an old movie room. On the bottom level was a prop cage that the theater had built that contained thousands of props, like tea sets, spoons, and stuff. Since a classical theater company ran the theater and they performed Shakespeare, Moliere, and Dickens. One night, I was working late with the tech director in a room adjacent to the prop cage, right by the staircase that led up to the main room of the theater. I heard props moving. It sounded like cups were knocking each other or clinking, like they were rolling on the floor. The tech director went to investigate and saw nothing. When he left the room, I heard footsteps coming down the stairs, although the theater was empty. The tech director returned and we checked the stairs, but nobody was there. I told him I thought it was a ghost and he laughed and said there's no such thing as ghosts. When suddenly, we both heard loud footsteps stomping down the stairs. Crazy loud and very threatening. We looked at each other in the eyes, and then something truly weird happened. That I will never forget. Someone stomped on the floor above us and scratched the side of the walls, but inside of the walls, as if they were scratching the pipes. And then we heard a long bong noise, as if someone had flicked a door stopper, almost cartoon-like. Bong! All at the same time. The tech director and I stared at each other, in shock and then we got the hell out of there. We couldn't believe what had happened. We heard stories about footsteps and other actors seeing ghosts, but this was truly bizarre. What kind of ghost stomps on the ceiling, scratches the pipe in the walls, and makes a loud bong noise? The bong noise sounded like a rubber stopper being flicked, like a sound effect you might hear in a cartoon. We had to return a few days later to finish working, and the moment we were alone in there, it started stomping in the room above, but more like someone was walking around, although the theater was empty again, since it was Christmas break, and no one was in the theater. We used keys to let ourselves inside, and then the tech director called to it again, making fun of it, like he had done before, when suddenly I felt fear from the ghost, or whatever that thing was that was in the room with us. It was afraid. I don't know why I felt that it was afraid, but somehow I knew it was. I smelled fear coming from it, as if it was scared of us. It scratched the walls again, but I knew that it was the one, scared. We left again because even though I knew it was scared, I was terrified and didn't want to hang around in a haunted old mason church. Months later, a group of us closed the theater after a show on the third floor. We turned off all the lights and locked the doors. We stood outside talking about our show when we heard books dropping on the second floor. We were standing under the window of the second floor and we all heard large books being dropped. An entire group of people heard it. That was my last encounter with the ghosts in that building, although I heard other stories from the actors there. One actress told me that she locked up one night and heard a bell ringing in another room and she quietly walked down the stairs from the third floor to the main floor with the bell noise getting louder and louder until it was ringing right behind her ear. But no one was there. 
She turned around and yelled at the ghost to stop scaring her on the main floor and ran out. She won't be alone in that building ever and told us that she had seen hangers fly across the room in the middle of the stage performance and that two other actors were standing with her and the wings waiting to go on when they all saw hangers from the costume rack fly across the room. She and another actor claimed to have seen an old man ghost during stage performances suddenly materialize on stage or in the wings, but no one in the audience could see him. An actor said he exited a scene and had to walk through this ghost, and when he returned to the stage, he was wiped because he was terrified. Well, I never saw a ghost, but I sure in hell heard one. When my internship was over, I never returned to that theater, but I saw the technical director many years later, who eventually quit. He said that when he worked late building sets, he could hear his tools moving, or if he was sawing wood, he could hear something moving in another room, and when he would inspect, nothing would be there. He quit eventually. I don't blame him. I'm not sure if I believe in ghosts, but I still can't explain what happened to the technical director and me that night. No one was in the building, and if there was, how could one person stomp down the stairs and stomp on the ceiling, scratch the pipes alongside the walls, the side walls, mind you, and make a large spring go bong? Super weird stuff. I don't know. What do you think? This story is about my auntie, mom's sister, her partner, and their daughter. They moved into their home in the early 90s. It was built back in the 1930s and had not had any major work done to it before they bought it. First plan of action for my auntie's partner was to knock down some of the walls on the ground floor to open it up and to fix all the ceilings in the bedrooms on the first floor. There was a leak in the roof, which meant that all the ceilings were warped and bowed and marked with damp. So he ripped all of that off until it was just exposed rafters and then put new ceiling boards up. This meant that while this work was being done, the loft space was completely empty. Once all the work was done and they could make the house their own, they had a good few months of lovely new home vibe. But one night, my auntie woke up in the middle of the night to the sound of someone closing the kitchen cupboard doors quite loudly. Not slamming them shut, but more like someone not bothering to take into account that everyone else was asleep. Her partner was asleep next to her, so she assumed it was my cousin pottering around down there. My cousin was about 15 at the time, so it didn't surprise my auntie that she wasn't exactly considerate when getting her late night snacks. She muttered a few words of annoyance and went back to sleep, the banging of doors continuing sporadically for the rest of the night. The next morning, my auntie goes downstairs, quite tired from not sleeping too well because of the noise, to find my cousin eating her breakfast at the kitchen table. I'm surprised you're up so early considering you were banging about the place all night, my auntie says to my cousin. Huh? What do you mean? says my cousin. I didn't get up once last night. I slept right through. My auntie then gets this wave of panic. Who was banging around last night then? There's no sign of anything being out of place or disturbed, and all the perimeter doors and windows are locked and undamaged. After a bit of arguing between them about who was walking around, with no one owning up to it, 
My auntie comes to the conclusion that it must have been a particularly vivid dream and they go about their day. A few weeks pass and it happens again. My auntie is awoken in the middle of the night by the occasional sound of cupboard doors banging shut in the kitchen. So this time she gets up and goes downstairs to investigate. Nothing. No one is awake and nothing looks out of place. My auntie is getting seriously creeped out now. She tries to reason that maybe it's the neighbors and the sound is being carried through the house because it's always much quieter at night and easier to hear things. But this gets dismissed when my auntie's partner points out that they are semi-detached and the neighbor's kitchen is on the wrong side of the house for that to be the cause of the noise. The banging is definitely coming from below them in their kitchen rather than off to the other side of the house where the neighbor's kitchen would be. Anyway, this carries on for a good while. Every week or so, there comes a night where one of them is awoken by the sporadic banging. They go to investigate. Nothing. Back to bed and it starts again until morning. Now, a quick digression. My auntie sometimes goes to a medium. She goes to see if she can get messages from relatives who have passed on. Sometimes she gets told some spooky, accurate stuff. Other times it's way off the mark. Anyway, one time she goes to see one, and this is deep during the period of when the banging is going on, but she doesn't mention any of this to the medium. She is always very careful to not say anything or give away any visual clues to whichever medium she is seeing because she wants to believe and all that and doesn't want that niggling doubt that she fed the medium answers. She's got a great poker face. The medium is talking to her about messages they're receiving stuff about her career, her partner, which turned out to be true, cheating dirtbag. And then the medium randomly starts talking about her house, how she's been there for a while now, but there's someone in the house who is not happy, someone who doesn't like what they have done to the layout. My auntie is confused. She assumes that the medium is talking about her partner or my cousin, but the medium continues. Check the loft. The medium says, there's something in the loft. Now this creeps my auntie out even more. She knows that nothing is in the loft. They've never gone up there since moving in because everything was put into the garage when they arrived so that her partner could redo the ceilings. And they had never got around to moving all that stuff from the garage to the loft. Christmas decorations, other stuff, etc. So she goes home and tells her partner about how there's supposed to be something in the loft, but not about what she was told about him cheating on her one day, self-fulfilling prophecy and all that. And he gets the ladder and goes up there. There's a period of quiet before he looks around with a torch and then, out of nowhere, holy shit, he comes back down the ladder clutching a piece of paper. I found this lying on one of the rafters, he says. It's a photograph a black and white photograph of a woman in her 50s and she looks pissed in this photo. Very stern. It gives them all the creeps, especially when my auntie's partner insists that there was no way it could have been there when he found it, as it would have been seen back when he was redoing all the ceilings. They cannot work it out, so my auntie rings the old owner. They have a chat and my auntie describes the woman in the photo. The old owner is able to deduce that it's a picture of his mom. Turns out she died in that house back in the 80s, 
and he inherited it and continued to live there until he sold it to my auntie's family. This now gives my auntie a serious case of the heebie-jeebies. She puts the phone down, then says out loud that she's sorry if the new layout isn't to the old lady's liking, but they just have to get on with it now. A few nights pass and there's no more noises, but then they are all woken again by the most awful sound of pots and pans being thrown to the floor. They run downstairs, but there's nothing to account for what caused the noise. But my auntie describes it like no noise she's ever heard before or since. Just awful. She scans the kitchen counter. Where's the photo of the old woman? She asks. Her partner tells her he threw it away that morning. My auntie erupts. Get that photo out of the bin now! He dutifully retrieves it. She tries to smooth out the creases and apologizes out loud. The photo is put in one of the kitchen drawers and they go back to bed. After that, my auntie would still get woken up every now and then by the sounds of cupboard doors banging, but she never went to investigate. Just the old woman voicing her displeasure again. They moved out a couple of years ago and left a note to the new owner saying to leave the photo in the kitchen drawer. First of all, here's some background info. This happened about four years ago in a house where I lived with my mom and my brother. My mom and my brother are still there. Old couple died in this house before we moved in. There is a small basement which me and my dad decorated so it's my extra room, if that makes sense. The basement has a separate door from the outside. One day I was chilling in the basement with my friend watching some movies. We were home alone. My mom was at work until 8 p.m. We told her to bring us some snacks when she comes back. It was about 8.15 p.m. when we heard the main door of the house opening. Steps going from the living room to the kitchen. Chairs moving, etc., etc. Normal noise you hear when someone is upstairs. We both heard it, and I was like, my mom came home. And he said, yeah, I hear it. Snacks are here. A few minutes later, my phone rings. It's my mom. I was like, okay. Probably she is calling so we get the snacks. I answer and she says, Honey, I'm stuck at work. We'll be home by 10. Problem with security. I was speechless. I looked at my friend and he was shaking. He heard my mom through the phone. I had one key to the house. My mom had the other key. Brother was at grandma's place. Nobody else had a key. There were only two keys. So we went upstairs to the main door it was locked, lights out. I opened and we searched the house. Nothing weird, just as we left it. There were no chairs moved, even though both of us heard them moving. It gives me chills even thinking about it. I heard a lot of steps and movement upstairs when I was alone in the basement, but didn't think much of it, since only I heard it. But since my friend heard it too, I'm starting to think that everything else I heard was also true, and not my imagination. So, the first story takes place a few months ago when I was playing my Oculus Quest 2. I live in a two-story house, and when you come up the stairs, you enter into a main room. Next to the stairs is a wall with the door into the bathroom. The rest of the rooms are on different walls and are all bedrooms and a closet. 
As the main room was a wide open space, it was the perfect place for me to play my quest too. I was positioned in the center of the room and the bathroom was to my left. Any quest 2 owners will be familiar with the pass through feature. For everyone unfamiliar with this feature, it basically lets you see into reality with the cameras of the front of the headset. The cameras aren't in color and the quality is a bit grainy, so I was playing with the Quest 2 with my stepbrother when he goes downstairs to do something. My sister is in her room and I'm completely alone in the main room. My Quest Hub virtual environment is set to pass, though I can still see the rest of the room I'm in. I was about to open a game when out of my peripheral vision, I see what appears to be a head peeking at me from around the bathroom doorway. The head appears to be white with no facial features, although I couldn't tell its color as pass-through doesn't show color. I turned my head toward it to get a better view of the head, but it slipped back into the bathroom. I couldn't play the Quest 2 again that night. The next story is a short on what happened earlier today. My family was getting ready for our camping trip and I was grabbing my bag which was next to the bathroom door. The doorway was to my right and again, out of my peripheral vision, I saw movement in the bathroom. I turned to look at whatever created this movement but there was nothing there. It couldn't have been my family because they were all downstairs. So far that's all I've seen of this bathroom dweller. My only theory is that it's a ghost. My house is very old and it would make sense if a previous resident of the house passed away and their spirit continued to live in the house that I now live in. Let me know what you think. And that, dear listeners, is going to go ahead and wrap up these true paranormal encounters. If you are sleeping, I hope Slumberland is treating you comfortably. If you are awake, I hope you've enjoyed this collection. Until next time, please take care of yourselves. Have yourself a good morning, a good afternoon, or good evening. Peace, love, and light to you all.